almost 10 years to the day separate two events in American history of rescue of Americans in peril. Interesting, I went back and looked at these two events. I didn't realize it was the same month of April. April 13th, 1970, the Apollo 13 had an oxygen tank explode inside their capsule. And you heard those famous words. Maybe you're like me, you don't remember them, you were too young, or maybe you weren't even born yet. Maybe you heard Tom Hanks say those famous words. But they are Houston... Very good. Houston, we have a problem. I don't know. It seems like those are the times where Americans respond the best. Those are the times where you put everything else away. You focus on one task. It's solving the problem. And I do believe Hollywood did a pretty good job portraying that rescue, how all those brainiacs at NASA were tasked with bringing three Americans in peril, in space, home safely. It was an amazing rescue. And it was an amazing venture where everybody had to work on the same page. Everybody had to be together for the same goal. And that was save lives, save American lives. And we know the story. And the story is a successful splashdown and lives were saved and we celebrate that great uh, effort to bring them back. Ten years later, April 24th and 25th, 1980, Operation Desert Claw, an operation set into place by Jimmy Carter, desperately trying to get back 53 diplomats that have been held hostage, and we know for about a year, and as those eight helicopters that were on their way in a very complicated series of of getting supplies and getting resources and people on the ground, there was a sandstorm called, apparently in those areas, a low-level sandstorm called a habab or haboob that crippled three of our helicopters. And that mission to go and save Americans in peril was a complete failure. It was a disgrace as national news showed our helicopters on fire, burning, and a complete failed attempt of rescue. Not even one at that point was rescued. The greatest rescue attempt that mankind has ever seen is God's rescue of His children what he calls, we saw last week, his sheep. And this Advent season that begins next week is the celebration of God's ultimate plan, an incredible plan that God before time began set in place to rescue lost sinners like you and me. It was God the Father who devised such an incredible plan, a plan before time began to, to rescue his sheep. It was God the Son who came in disguise and unbelievably, right for this, the eternal God of the universe, the mighty God, the great I Am, the most powerful one, He came in disguise as a man. And not just in disguise as a man, but God became flesh and dwelt among us to rescue us. 
God came on this rescue attempt to live the life that you and I were supposed to live before a holy God, but our sin got in the way. And so the sinless one came and he obeyed the Father perfectly. And then that incredible God in flesh, man named Jesus, he died the death that we deserve, sinners like us deserve, so that we could be rescued. So that you and I can have a place with that holy God. And then God the Holy Spirit comes. And this incredible eternal plan sent by the Father, sent by the Son to bring all of His sheep home. And there's really good news. Really good news this morning. God doesn't fail. Did you hear that? God doesn't fail. God is not going to lose one of His sheep. Not one. When the, call, when the call is called up yonder, they'll all be there. There's not going to be one that is missing. Not one. Well, there was one who perished. Just one who perished. He's God in flesh. But He lives. And because He lives, we have the greatest story. And you know, the great thing about this story is we don't have to be on the outside looking in. For those of us who are his sheep, this story intersects our lives and changes our hearts and makes us new. Let's turn to John chapter 6 as we continue the story. We've seen in this this series called The Doctrines of Grace that salvation belongs to the Lord. This is his rescue plan. It's not ours. This is his rescue plan from the beginning of time. And it involves each person in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This morning we look more at the Spirit's role as we looked at the Father who chooses, the Son who purchases, and now the Holy Spirit who's going to draw to Himself. We're going to look to the Gospel of John. It's God's holy and errant Word. It's infallible. It'll never lead us astray. And we're going to look to John chapter 6. We're going to read in God's holy Word verses 35 through 48. Skip to verses 64 and 65. I'm going to reference quite a few more verses. If you want to follow along in your outline, it's in the bulletin for you. Uh, John tells us of this God in flesh, this great I Am. Last week he's called, I Am the Good Shepherd. This week we're seeing this Jesus, I Am the Bread of Life. Let us hear God's Word together. John 6, starting in verse 35. Then Jesus declared... I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never thirst. For as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. But all whom the Father gives me will come to me. All whom the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those He has given me, but raise them up the last day. For my Father's will is this, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Isn't that amazing? That's God's will. Did you hear it? That we believe? Not that we dance. Not that we perform. Not that we become religious. 
That we look to the Son and we put our faith and trust in Him and that's the rescue? Isn't that good news? At this, the Jews began to grumble about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father has learned from Him comes to me. For no one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Now verse 64. Yet they are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray Him. This rescue attempt, there wasn't any doubt. He knew. He knew who He was coming to get. He knew who would get it and who wouldn't. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Let us pray. Father, what is also equally clear, that I cannot say anything of worth unless you enable me. And Father, what we need to have happen here in this moment is to hear from a living, loving, ruling God. So send that Spirit, the Holy Spirit, here among us in a way that You give us ears to hear Your voice. The Father, that You illumine our minds through the Holy Spirit and the preaching of Your Word so that we understand that Jesus is the bread of life. That we understand that God has rescued His sheep. And we know in our hearts, that we have been loved and we have been set free. So remove the heart of unbelief. Give us a heart of flesh and a spirit within us that loves You and knows You and grows in You. And Father, empower our feet that we can walk out of here as Your children in obedience for Your glory. The things that are said that are my opinion or that are wrong, may they quickly fall away and be forgotten. The things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of the Gospel, use those things to make us more like Jesus. And it's in His precious name we pray. Amen. God's plan never fails. God's plan, not plural, He didn't have many. Sometimes we read the Old Testament, New Testament, seems like maybe He had a couple different plans. He's got one plan. One plan before time began. That one plan was for God to rescue broken sinners who don't deserve to be rescued and loved, but be drawn to Himself. God's plan, set in place before time began, never fails. Ever fails. God never fails. He will rescue all of His sheep. There's a lot of resistance to this plan. There's a lot of... of, uh, There truly is a sinful man who, who wants to throw resistance to God's plan. The Bible tells us of spiritual warfare. 
uh, that there is a devil who would love to wreak havoc on God's plan. But here is some really good news. God's plan is irresistible. His grace to sinners will meet its mark. His sheep will come home. Let's start off with looking at that. God's grace is irresistible. John 6.37 says, All that the Father has given the Son will come to faith. Did you hear the word all? Are you rejoicing in the word all? It didn't say some that the Father has given to me will come to faith. It doesn't say this. All might come to faith. Incredibly, this rescue plan of God the Father that was set in place before time began, Jesus knows will be accomplished. All that the Father has given to the Son will come to faith. It also goes on to say that God has uh, to help us to get to faith. That no one will come to faith unless God enables them. If you look at John 6, 44 and 45. Here, here's what he's saying. Uh, there's a rescue that God is going to accomplish. That he's going to come and rescue his sheep. But no one is going to come unless God enables them. Christmas season is coming up. It would be like this. God has placed under the tree of our lives the most incredible present ever. Left on our own, the gift of His Son, the gift of eternal life, the gift of forgiveness of sins, uh, the gift of life and life abundantly. If left on our own, dead people don't open presents. We have to be enabled to do that. It is God who gives us that ability to open God's greatest gift, a relationship with His Son. So all the Father has given the Son will come. None will come unless God enables them. And none whom God has predestined before time began will be lost. Not one. Look again, John 6, 39. 39. All that the Father has given to me. All. Not one lost. Thank God for that reality. Thank God for the reality that all of His will be there. Here's what it means to us. It means this. When we're there with Him in glory, and when that last day comes and the new heavens and new earth is here, all of His family will be rescued. And all of us who know the joy of the Spirit of the God living in us, all of us who know the joy of having their sins washed in the blood of the Lamb, all of us will be there with our family. And at Thanksgiving time, we're going to experience pain. Because there's going to be an empty spot for many of us. For many of us, Thanksgiving's a reminder of who's not there. That prodigal son or daughter. That lost child. That that, that tragedy. That parent. I mean, holidays are brutal because it's a reminder of pain. But at the end, when Christ comes, no one's going to be missing. Not one. I can't help but one of my favorite movies, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, the roll call? Bueller. Bueller. You know, there will be no name called out in the halls of heaven that doesn't respond. I'm here, Father. I'm rescued. Jesus' blood's covered me. I'm here. All are home. All are safe. God never fails to rescue His sheep. That's the second point. God never fails. Salvation belongs to our God. In Revelation 7.10, when it gives us a picture of the new heavens and new earth, it gives us a picture of all that will be there. It says this, salvation from start to finish. 
And we're going to look at the finish next week. Salvation belongs not to man. Salvation belongs to God. And he gets all of the credit. Every single jot and tittle of our salvation to the glory and rescue of our God. And he never will lose one of his sheep. Every earthly rescue mission takes on a coordinated effort like Apollo 13. And everyone has risk. And we saw the failed one with the Eagle Claw, uh, Operation Eagle Claw. And our salvation had to be a coordinated event between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each Godhead of the Trinity played a role. We live in a time that we want to give Jesus all the credit. Yes, He died on the cross for our sins. But each one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, were used to rescue us. Let's see this. The first begins with the Father. The Father gives the Son His sheep. Very clearly seen in John 6, 37. Very clearly seen last week in John 10, 29. It begins with the Father. This rescue begins with the Father. It says in Ephesians 1, 4, that before the foundation of the earth, before the foundation of the world, before God even created this, He knew He was going to set a love on us that we were going to be rescued. Now listen, i got to tell you something better than that. Not only are we going to be rescued, we're going to be blameless. And not only are we going to be rescued and blameless, we're going to be holy and without sin. And not only that, we're going to be radiant and beautiful. It's not that we're just going to barely make it there. We're going to make it there in a way that we are His beloved children. Radiant, robed in His righteousness. But this all begins with the Father. Before time began, He is the initiator. The Father has given to the Son His sheep. Salvation begins there. There's a, uh, there's a, uh, a book out called The Shack, and it's a theological mess. Um, and it's got a lot of reviews about how poor theology this book is. And I read it, and I loved it. And I, and I didn't love the theology, but I loved the heart. And maybe I loved the book so much because it was given to me by someone who has been deeply wounded in this life through a loss of a sister and a daughter. A tragic loss. And they gave me the book as their pastor. said, this really helped us. Can you read it? And as I read it, he, he, the, the, the brother said to me, he says, you know, I never realized that God the Father was loving. I just saw him as angry. I just saw him as really ticked off. I saw Jesus as loving, but I thought the Father was mean. And in this book, it portrays suffering and grief in a true biblical way, which is good here, that the Father is loving. Listen, our salvation begins with Him. He is compassionate and merciful. If it wasn't for His compassion and mercy, if He doesn't lead with mercy for sinners like us, He doesn't come up with a plan to give the sheep to the Son. Does that make sense? So it all begins with a very loving, compassionate Father. The Father gives His sheep to His Son. And then the Son comes and He lays down His life for the sheep. Last week we saw John 10, 11, and 15. Very clearly, Jesus makes a distinguishing uh, proclamation, I'm laying my life down for the sheep. The sheep that the Father has given to us. We read in Revelation 5, 9 that Jesus came and for the sheep He purchased us. He purchased us that had been sold into sin and slavery. He He came and He paid the ransom with His own life and His own blood. He washed us clean, whiter than snow. It's not the possibility that we could be purchased. It's not the possibility that we could be saved. Jesus came for His sheep and He died for them. 
And at that cross, our sin was paid for in full. So here you have Jesus who has purchased uh, us for the Father by laying his life down. And again, not just for the possibility, but actually purchased us. And if you weren't here last week, that was last week's sermon. There's some in the foyer. It's online. Um, It's incredible what he's done for us. But Jesus says, I've come to rescue those the Father gave me, and I will rescue them all. Yesterday ended a journey for uh, a beloved family, uh, losing their mom and wife and and grandma of 53 years to cancer. Uh, It was a very difficult journey at the end, a very loving, kind woman. Um, And one of the questions came to me uh, from one of the daughters. Why so much suffering? Why so brutal? You know, I I don't know all the answers and certainly uh, some mystery of, of the pain. But I do know this, that no one entered suffering like God's son did. He knows suffering. But to me... He came to, to bring the kingdom and He came to bring life. But all the sheep aren't home yet. Think about this. All the sheep aren't home yet. And He's not going to come and do away with that last bit of enemy and that, those last tears until all the sheep are in. Does it make sense? He's not going to lose any. He has provided His life today. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. we got hope that Jesus lives. And because Jesus lives, Linda lives. We have that true and real live hope. But there's sheep still to come home. And so we long for Jesus to come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I've had enough of you. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. But I love the fact that there's going to be none who are lost. And until he has to go and find that last sheep, the curtains aren't going to close. And in the meantime, we're going to rejoice and we're going to weep together until he does. But we don't have to weep like we have no hope. The Son will find all of them. And then the Holy Spirit enables the sheep to come to faith. John 6, 44 tells us no one can come unless the Spirit draws them. And then we have a verse like this. Let me read you Titus. Titus verse, chapter 3, verse 5. It says this, God, He has saved us, not because of righteous things we have done. It's not because we're religious. It's not because we clean ourselves up. It's not because we're the good guys. But it's because of His mercy. He saved us, listen to this, through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. If it wasn't for God, the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, enabling us to have faith, repentance, we're going to see that in a minute, a new life, we would never come. He freely chose us before the time began. He didn't choose us for any reason, just freely. It just, for some reason, a mystery. He set his love upon his children. And now we freely choose Him. Once He comes into our lives and He gives us the ability to choose Him, listen, we're not going to come kicking and screaming. We're not going to say, oh, geez, I don't want this gift of salvation. I don't want my sins forgiven. I can't believe you're making me do this. Once He warms our heart with the Holy Spirit and we realize this rescue plan, we run. And we say, are you kidding me? I get to hug one whose nails were pierced for me. I get to know the love of God the Father. I get to be called a child of the King. I get to say, Abba, Father, we run, we love. What grace. But it all begins with Him. It's all His. The irresistible grace of God's special call. There certainly is a general call for all to come for Jesus for salvation. There is that general call. We see it in Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says this, 
Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And it's true. Jesus says to all the world, He is the only Savior for this world. In John 37, 37, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Jesus truly is the only Savior of the world. And here's some really good news. Listen, we've got to hear whoever, 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 whoever comes to him. Whoever, whoever, whomever. He will never drive away. Let's take a second there. Whatever state, whatever condition, whatever reality, God finds his sheep sinful, hating him, and rebelling from him. He will never drive away. We must learn this. I had dinner yesterday um, at an area restaurant and I broke a cardinal sin. The, the wait staff, the, the girl looked like she was pregnant. Katie's trained me well. Don't ask, don't ask, don't ask until they're in, birth, in labor. But I went out on the limb. I said, it looks like you're expecting. She tagged me right in the teeth. No, no, no. She was. She was expecting. And I said, this is incredible. It's a great gift. And you're going to experience a love like you've never had before. And a conversation developed. And before long, I was inviting her to our church. And I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I just invited her and said, we got a lot of young families here. And you, you need a home. And tears started welling up in her eyes. She says, I know i got to train my child for Christian values. But you see, I'm a liberal. And, and I have a lot of gay friends. And the church makes me feel bad. It makes me feel dirty. And, 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 and I'd love to be a part, but... And my mom keeps telling me and beating me over the head with God's word. And, and she's longing for community. And, and I just it rang in my ear, whoever comes to me in whatever state, I will never drive away. And Orangewood, as long as I'm pastor of this church, whoever comes to these doors, they should be welcome. Amen. They should be welcome. Yeah. We just got to simply quit throwing stones. Because we're no different. We're sinners saved by grace. We've got to quit throwing stones. If Jesus is not going to drive them away, should the church of Christ? God forgive us. No, we're not going to compromise. We believe that God's word is true. We're going to proclaim it boldly. As long as God gives me breath, this is what I'm bringing to you. But we're going to love because our Father loved whoever comes. You see, there's basically a fire alarm that most people ignore. You ever been in a building that has fire alarms a lot? It just goes off, and you're like, it's not really a fire. It just, everybody's okay, just keep working. It's not really a fire. No big deal. Until that one day, it's a fire. You see, that's a general call to all to come, but only those who will come is that God effectually calls. God calls in a way that his sheep hear. Uh, 1 Corinthians is a call that leads to salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says this, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. But listen to this, listen, listen. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power and the wisdom of God. You see, God calls in a special way His sheep. And we clearly hear that, we've been taught that His sheep hear His voice. Listen to the book of Acts as people are coming to Christ. Acts 13, 48. When the Gentiles heard this, the gospel, they were glad and honored that the word of the word of the Lord. And listen to this. Listen, listen. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Who got it? Who got it? I mean, 
here's Paul preaching his guts out. Some get it and some don't. Is it because some are smart and some are dumb? Is it because some are religious and some aren't? No, because God had some sheep there and some that weren't. And those that He appointed before time to begin to come, came. All those that were appointed to life came. The rescue mission never fails. I mean, Paul could have left that day and said, look, most preachers say, I, I messed up. I, well, not a lot of people came. Or, gosh, those people over there didn't seem to get it. You know what great joy it is for me to be able to stand up here and proclaim God's word and know that I have the ability to change not one heart. He does. But you who are his sheep, you are hearing his voice. And he is calling you to himself. It's an incredible promise that he has given us. Romans 8, verses 29 and 30. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And listen to this chain. Listen to this glorious chain. We're going to come back to this next week. And those he predestined, he also called in a special way. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The story will continue. Here's the deal. God's sheep will hear the fire alarm. We'll hear the alarm and say, oh man, fire. We got to get help. We need a savior. We got to be rescued. God's sheep, every single one of God's sheep, not one of them. If they're in Africa, if they're in some remote tribe, somehow they will be rescued. Every single one. They're going to hear the alarm. And they're going to run to Jesus. And they're going to find life. Just like you and I have been. Why? Because grace, you and I have been saved. By grace, by grace. It really is from start to finish. By grace, we are saved through faith. God's grace gives ears to hear all those who are His. Um, how is this done? I'm going to buzz because this is great stuff. But listen, the irresistible grace of a new heart. God has to first give us a new heart. It's called regeneration. Even before, listen, even before we can believe and repent, we got to be made new. Doesn't that sound funny? God has to make us new before we can even believe and repent. Here's the story. If you are in, God forbid, an ambulance today, and your life is fading away, and your heart stops, what's the most important thing if your heart stops? Is it to give you oxygen? Is it to tend to your wounds? No. Take out those paddles, those defibrillators, and get that heart going. Because until the heart goes, nothing else matters. And really, until God gives us a new heart and a new uh, spirit, nothing else matters. And unbelievably, God gives us, who are born spiritually dead, when we come to faith, a new heart. Dead man cannot produce faith. Dead men cannot rep- produce repentance. We need a change of nature first. And the first thing that God does in this rescue, when He has called us and He comes to us, He gives us the ability to receive. Listen to Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. God says this, I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. And here's what it says in the Hebrew. And I will cause you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This irresistible grace begins with God in an irresistible way giving us a new heart. And then He gives us the gift of faith and the gift of repentance. The first thing is the irresistible gift of repentance. 
Um, I'm going to read one more passage out of Titus. There's a couple here. I'm also, you could look at Acts 11, 18. But look at 1 Timothy 2, 15. That's not it. Let me read Acts 11. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted them repentance unto life. Here's the deal. God's rescue of His sheep will never fail. And He is going to give you and me everything we need to be rescued. Everything. Everything we need. Everything. He's going to come to us and He's going to give us a new heart. All of His who are His sheep. Every single one of us. He's going to give us a new nature. He's going to give us the ability to respond. You ready for this? Unbelievably, He gives us the gift of repentance. We don't even repent on our own. He gives us that gift. We saw in Acts and other places, He allows us, He moves in our spirits. We say, we are sinful. Would you forgive us? Philippians 1.29 says, He gives us the gift of faith. It's not only been granted to you in His name to suffer for Him, but also to believe in Him. Even faith is a gift from God. All of it from start to finish. And what should this produce? An unfathomable love for us to our Father. Because salvation from start to finish is His. In 1970, we set out on a rescue mission that worked. In 1980, it failed. But Jesus' rescue didn't fail. Family, we will all be there. We'll be there because He's lavished a love upon us that we could be called the children of God. And in Christ, that is what we are. Do you know that joy? Do you know you're in the family? If you hear His voice calling, you're His sheep. And even today, He calls you to come to the family and embrace Him as Savior and lay your life down. He's going to give you everything you need for salvation. He's never going to drive you away. Never. Never. And if this doesn't lead us to love Him, we've missed it. Because this should lead us to love more than anything. Because we realize more than ever, we have nothing to offer, but we get everything. It's God's grace and mercy from start to finish. And we now have life and life abundantly. If this doesn't cause you to love God more, we've got to examine our hearts. Are we really His? It should drive us. It should drive us to fall on our knees and say, God, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for rescuing a sheep like me. And it should, when we remember what He has done, it should cause us to sing. Let us pray. Father, when we remember by Your divine enablement that we needed to be rescued, and unlike those three in space, and unlike those 53 in Iran, God, we were Your enemies. We were in rebellion to You. We, we didn't even want to be rescued until You showed us our sin. But Father, we thank You for the incredible reality of a Father who does love, who is compassionate, And before time began, devised an incredible, infallible, irresistible plan to rescue His sheep. Jesus, we thank You that You accepted Your Father's mission to seek and to save the lost. And we thank You that You were perfectly successful. You lost none. And Jesus, we thank You for the Father and for Your ministry sending the Holy Spirit, bringing to the Father every single one that You laid Your life down for, Jesus, that You chose before time began, Father. Father, Son, and Spirit working in perfect harmony to give us grace and salvation, all for Your glory. And when we remember, we must sing. We can't help but worship You. 
It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and sing.